So we just finished Purim, uh, and um, I want to just say over a few Purim thoughts, some uh, some some chedushim that that uh, came over this year, and uh, just uh, record them. So so one of the uh, one of the things that just amazed me, you know, Purim is all about Hashem is reminding us that He's there, even when it seems like He isn't. Uh, and not only is he there, but he's he's absolutely saving us every single moment. And um, and uh, the the Megillus Esther is is sort of a chronicle of of, of how it works, um, a case history, if you will. And um, I'm not sure who pointed it out, but a very great person pointed out that the word words Megillus Esther, which which of course is the the book that we read uh, on Purim, which has the account of the the whole story and the miracle and, and all the rest. But Megillah means to reveal, and um, Esther comes from the word Hester, which means to hide. So in other words, Megillus Esther means the the revelation of that which is hidden. Um, so, so with that as an introduction, uh, I, I I was looking at the word uh, Purim and how it appears uh, just just the letters themselves and also um, the word as, as uh, it appears in in Atbash. Atbash, uh, we all know, is that um, system that the Gemara describes in Masechet uh, Shabbos Daf Kuf Dalid. Um, which which Kuf and Dalit are in Atbash, which I I, uh, I just am tickled by. But um, anyway, the the idea is that you you transpose the the first letter for the last letter, and the second letter for the second to last letter. In other words, Atbash Aleph becomes Tav, Beis becomes Shin, Gimel becomes Resh, Dalit becomes Kuf, and and uh, so on throughout, throughout the alphabet. There are 22 letters in the alphabet, so each of the 11 uh, letters has their counterpart, and you sort of flip the letters, and, and it gives you another view into the depth of, of what the Torah is saying. Um, and then you can take the, um, the atbash of a, of a word, and then you can take the, the gematri of the atbash, even, and that can give you uh, amazing uh, insights, or rearrange the letters of the atbash, or whatever it is. So, um, so it's a, just a whole other gateway into, uh, you know, another one of the infinite levels of the Torah. So, so it would seem like the word Purim, which is all about the revelation of the hidden, and not only that, but, but the flipping over of, uh, from, from, from uh, that the Jews were going to be exterminated to, to them being saved and, and, and taking revenge out on their enemies. The, the, whole, um, the, whole, the whole Purim story is all about things being flipped over. So it would seem that Atbash on the word Purim would, would reveal some very uh, interesting or should reveal some very amazing insights. Um, so, uh, so with that in mind, um, I looked at the word Purim and I found something absolutely amazing. Uh, now, before I, before I go into it, I just want to give us an introduction. Um, uh, because I'm always concerned that whenever I sort of like get into Chedushim and all the rest, that I'm, I'm dealing with um, methodologies um, in terms of an analysis and um, that I've seen uh, that the Chachamim have already used. Because otherwise, I, I don't know, I don't feel as comfortable, um, w- you know, that... Uh, that, that what I'm saying, especially if they're a chidushim, um, if they're new thoughts, that it has to just be grounded in, in sort of Torah-approved methodology, is what I'm trying to say. So, so with that in mind, I, I want to give a, a, um, a precedent for what I'm about to say. So the Balaturim <coughs> uh, looks at the word kitoris, which means incense. And these are the um, this was the uh, these were the spices the incense offering that was done in the um, in the holy temple in the base of Migdash. So the word Kitoris is um, uh, kuf tet reish tav. And uh, what the Balatorum did was he took the gematria of the word. So let's let's do it. It's okay tet and reish or tough and reish 
are uh, 600, 400 and 200, that's 600. Ted is 9, so 609, and then you have the Kuf. Now what he does is he just flips the letter Kuf in Atbash. Kuf becomes Dalit, which is 4. So 609 and 4 is 613. So what, besides that being an, an amazing Torah and... Um, uh, how how this incense ends up equaling, you know, or is hinting at the all 613 mitzvahs. Besides that, the, the reason why I'm mentioning it is is that here you see only Atbash is being done only on one letter. Okay, so it's just being done on the letter Kuf within the word. Kuf becomes Dalad, and then you get the Gematria of 613. Similarly, and God willing, we'll revisit this a little bit later on. Um, I certainly, uh, I, I'm not sure who said it, but it's in the Art Scroll um, uh, McGill or, or Purim book. Um, there's one of the commentaries there. It says that um, there's a line in the Megillah that says that we, at the end, it says we got light and, and, and aura, the simcha. And, and we say this uh, at Havdalah, this line from the Megillah at Havdalah every week. Uh, aura, if you, if you atbash the first letter of aura, which means light, the Aleph becomes tough and it spells Torah. So that's an amazing thing too. So here you see Atbash is with, with one letter or maybe individual letters or, or I guess the point I'm trying to say, what I'm deriving from this is that you can just do Atbash without doing all of the letters and that there you still have uh, something that's, that's permitted. Okay. Okay, now with that introduction... Um, I'd like to look at the word Purim. Now, now look at this. This, this amazed me. This is, was my own uh, sort of insight. I didn't see this anyplace else, but, but you'll see it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty right there, you know. Now, let me say one more thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for all the uh, introductions on top of introductions here, but, but it's uh, important to understanding how this works. Let's say you wanted a... Let's say you wanted to see if the entire word would be the same one way and in Atbash. In other words, if you flipped over the word, could it be the same word in both versions of the alphabet? Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because there is a, there is a famous example of that, which is the word Sadaka. Sadaka in Atbash is Sadaka. Um, uh, Sadi Dalid Kuf Hay Sadi in Adbash is Hay Dalid is Kuf Kuf is Dalid and is and Hay is Sadi so so it's it's the all the letters of Adbash um, I mean it's all the letters of Sadaka in Adbash now. The, the reason why I bring that up is, wouldn't it be amazing if Purim, which is all about how everything is, seems to be going one way, and then you flip it over and it becomes something else entirely, right? Wouldn't it be amazing if Purim was Purim in Atbash? That would be remarkable, right? What I realize, though, is that Purim has five letters. Pei, Vav, Resh, Yud, Mem. Any word that has an odd number of letters cannot be the same in Atbash as it is normally. Um, and the reason for that is because um, every letter, in order for it to be the same, has to become another letter within the same words. And if you have an odd number of letters, the odd man is going to become a different letter. So it will it will never work if you have an odd number of letters that um, that the word could be the same in Atbash as it is normally. It can't work. Um, it's impossible. Okay. So with that in mind, what if I were to tell you, with the exception of one letter, Purim, because it's an odd numbered lettered word, it has five letters, that Purim is the same in Atbash as it is normally. Unbelievable. Listen to this. Pay is Vav in Atbash. Okay, remember, let's spell Purim. Pei, the next letter is Vav. Vav is Pei in Atbash. Now, let's leave the Resh aside for a moment. Yud is Mem in Atbash, and Mem is Yud in Atbash. So, Purim, Pei, Vav, is Vav, Pei. Yud, Mem, is Mem, Yud. So, you see, Purim is Purim in Atbash. 
Okay, now we're going to have to figure out what that means exactly, but, but let's hold on to that thought for a moment. And then we have the middle letter, Mem, or rather, Reish. Reish uh, becomes Gimel. Like we said, the, the, if you have an odd number of letters, the, the odd number is going to become another letter, and it can't be the same. So, so anyway, so I was really puzzling over this. I was puzzling over this. Um, so what's the meaning of Reish? How does Reish, the letter Reish, relate to the word Purim? You know, because obviously everything belongs to Hashem. Hashem decided that He wanted... Uh, it to be an odd number of letters. He also decided that that the that the one that that, that shouldn't change over is the Reish. So what is it about the letter Reish, and how does it relate to Purim? This is what I was thinking about. Now I think that you will agree. That's a very very specific Torah question. I mean, before this year, that 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 that, that question had certainly never occurred to me. Why the letter Reish and the word Purim? Um, and I, I would, I would imagine that it, that it hasn't occurred to most people. Okay, so with that in mind, poor morning comes, and uh, I went, I davened, I heard Megillah, and I'm listening to a wonderful series of lectures from Rabbi uh, Benjamin Bleich uh, on the Aleph base and the uh, alphabet, and he, he gets into all sorts of levels and Atbash and wonderful, wonderful teachings, fantastic series that he's uh, set over. And um, and I was really puzzling over the, the connection between the letter Resh and the word Purim. Um, and uh, it was... Uh, I, this, this, um, I have a, uh, a CD, which is... It's hours and hours and hours long of... of, of uh, of uh, Rabbi Blech uh, talking about the olive base, hours and hours and hours, and it, the way this disc is is composed is there's no table of contents, and you don't know which track corresponds to which letter. And in fact, many of the lectures begin and end in the middle of a track. So even if you were to skip from one track to another, you wouldn't necessarily go from letter to letter. It doesn't work like that. It's just it's a, it's arranged in a very sort of idiosyncratic way. Um, so uh, so anyway, erev Shabbos, when I was puzzling over this question, I decided just to I'm just going to skip, 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 and I picked track number ten. And I see he's starting to talk about the, the, the end of the olive base, so, um, which he had already discussed earlier, by the way. So, so I thought, okay, well, maybe he'll get to the letter Reish. Who knows? And then maybe I, I can figure out the relation between Reish and Purim. Maybe he'll say something that'll spark something. Okay. Anyway, uh, I got home uh, for Shabbos, and I didn't really get up to the letter Reish yet. So that's what it was. And um, now... Shabbos comes, now it's Purim morning, Purim was uh, Sunday, uh, Saturday night, Sunday this week, so Sunday morning I finished listening to the, to the Megillah and to the Torah portion, an amazing Torah portion on, on Purim. If you don't know this, uh, one, of, uh, one of the great little pieces of Purim is that uh, for, um, for a Torah reading to be kosher, there have to be at least ten verses, ten psukim, that are read. Purim is the one exception of the entire year where nine psukim are read. Only nine. And it ends with the verse about how, um, how we're fighting against Amalek and how Amalek is on the, the throne of Hashem or against the throne of Hashem. And, um, and instead of using the words, uh, spelling out the words for throne of Hashem fully, um, Kise Hashem Yudke Vavke. In the Torah, it's written Case Ka. Case, which is missing the letter Aleph. So the word for throne is is missing one of the letters. So it shows that the throne is incomplete. And it just says Yud and He instead of Yudke Vavke. So so the Vav and the He are also missing. And Vav and He are sort of like the bottom letters of Hashem's name, which which stands for His revelation in this world. So that's missing. And Rashi brings down that as long as Amalek is here, which is the 
that force of evil in the world which fights against God and tries to destroy the Jewish people and it's a, an actual people but it's also a spiritual force that as long as Amalek is with us that, that, the, that the revelation of God is not complete in this world so, so it's a very appropriate um, it's a very appropriate uh, Torah reading for Purim because Haman we all know is a descendant of the king of Amalek Haman was sort of the 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 iconic Amalekite um, and so with this in mind it, it, we can understand why there are only nine Pesukim because ten in Torah is a very complete number we know that God created the world with ten utterances of course we have the Ten Commandments and, and Ten and the Ten Sefirot so Ten is a notion of completion so, so, so we read this uh, Torah portion with only nine verses to show that as long as Amalek is here the full revelation of Hashem is not complete okay and it, and, and it says that this war goes on for generations and it uses the term door uh, door generation to generation which is Dalid Resh. That's how you spell door. Dalid Resh. So, so, I get into my car after hearing the Torah reading, and uh, I say, well, let me listen to some Torah in, in my car. And Rabbi uh, Bleich says the following. This is, this is what I hear. Well, he says, now let's uh, learn about the Reish. And he says, now Reish really is a letter that stands for Rishayim, which means the, the wicked. And he goes, now in the Purim story, unbelievable, right? He says, in the Purim story, who is that arch enemy of ours? Haman. And he says, now let's take a look at the reading that we read on Purim. I'm like, my mind is blowing out. I can't believe this. He says, he says, it talks about how it's from door to door, from generation to generation. And now we get into an insight that, um, that the Gomorrah explains about the nature of the letter Resh. And we'll see how it connects to, to, um, to Purim in a moment. And he gives a second teaching on Purim in the letter Resh right afterwards, which I'll get to in a moment. Um, now, we know that um, the letter Dalit uh, um, stands for the four corners of the world, um, meaning the whole world. And the, 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 the greatest example of the letter Dalit in the Torah is there's a, a large letter Dalit, and it's, the, it's on the word Echad um, and the Shema Yisrael. So that's like a crowning, that's a crowning moment. And um, in other words, the, 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 the oneness of God and the oneness of God spreads in every single direction. So the Echad, the Dalit is, and we even um, stretch it out when we say it. We say, Shema Yisrael, Shema Lokeinu Hashem, Echad. And we really emphasize this letter Dalit. Well, there are many reasons for this. But one very fascinating reason is to distinguish it from the letter Resh. Because if it didn't have that corner, we know that the Dalit and the Reish look very similar, except the, if the Dalit comes to a corner. If it didn't have that corner, the Dalit would be a Reish, and it would spell the word Acher, which means other. And that is the exact opposite meaning, that Hashem is something other, as opposed to Hashem is one, and God's oneness fills the entire world. So, so that's why we're so careful. And so we see that the, the Reish, so to speak, is the arch enemy of the Dalit. Because the Reish is coming to remove this idea of the oneness of God from this world and to cast Hashem as something other than, than, than the creator of heaven and the earth. So, so, so you see that the Purim appears in the month of Adar. Adar, Rabbi Blech uh, taught, is Aleph Dalid Reish. You take the Aleph, which is one, which is the oneness of Hashem, which is communicated by the Dalid, in order to transform the Reish. Adar. 
Adar, the oneness, has been invested back into the world. The awareness of God, even when he's hidden, has been invested back in the world. And so this notion of his presence in the Dalit, that it, it, it stretches to the four corners of the world, is, 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 has been restored, replacing the notion of the Reish. So the, 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 the um, transformation from the Reish into the Dalit, with the awareness of God, with the Aleph. And so this is the notion of the, the war being ongoing in every door. In other words, door is Dalit and Reish, because it's the Reish fighting against the Aleph, and that's our batter, battle with Amalek. And that's what's taking place, and which is being shown in Purim. So, this was absolutely amazing to me. I couldn't believe it that I get into the car poor morning after hearing this and my exact, exact, exact question is being addressed as soon as I turn on the, the tape recorder. Um, but this is poor. This is poor. That's the whole point. This is poor. This is Hashem showing that even when it seems like He's hidden, He's absolutely there and He's everywhere. And a point that I, I, I made in, a, in another talk, and it's turning into one of my favorite talks, so if you, if you haven't heard it, um, try to look it up. It's on TorahOnitunes.com, and it's called uh, Coincidences in You. Um, what is Hashem trying, what is God trying to tell us? So it's, um, it's all about explaining these, these coincidences, uh, quote-unquote, and everything like that. But one of the points that I was trying to make was that it shows you that Hashem, who's everywhere and who, of course, sees the, the future, was already planning to teach me this before Shabbos and was just waiting for the right moment to reveal it because everything was being put into place beforehand. The reason why I emphasize that is because so many times when a quote-unquote coincidence happens, we tend to think that a, uh, Hashem is just communicating to us in that particular moment. But, but one of the things that I think Hashem is trying to show us is that He was there throughout the process, even when we weren't aware, even when I was sort of just skipping around selecting a tract on Friday before Purim, that Hashem was there and Hashem was guiding everything. So that's a very important uh, level of understanding. It's a very important level of understanding. Um, anyway, I go into it more there if, if you want to hear more on this uh, idea of explaining coincidences and what's being communicated. So now let's return back to this word of Purim. So Purim, we see, is, is the same in Atbash because, uh, well, we're going to get to it. I, th I think maybe, one level anyway, if it's the same in Atbash, okay, so we have to understand what Atbash is on a deeper level right now. So I learned this from Rabbi Moshe Shapira. He's one of the Shlita. He's one of the great rabbis in the world today. And um, he's in Israel. And uh, maybe maybe in America he's not uh, as much of a household name. But anyone who's uh, into learning has the greatest, greatest reverence for him. So, so, so Rabbi Shapira said the following. When you have the normal sequence of letters... The, 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 the olive through tough level as we're used to reading he says that stands for revelation in other words that is what God is revealing to us um, you know to use an example of, of my own if you, if, you, if you look at the word brachies which has within it the whole the whole of creation, really. You know, it's like a microcosm, that first word of the whole Torah. It begins with the letter Bez because, because that's all that can be revealed to us. Aleph, which stands for Hashem, that's already beyond, 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 beyond. Right? So, so, uh, So, so the letter Bez stands for Breshis. And, uh, and that's all that can be revealed to us. 
And then the letter Tav is the end of Breshis, and that's already the end. So in other words, already hinted at in the word Breshis is the fact that there's going to be an end to this process. I heard Rabbi Tatz say something amazing about the word Breshis, which is that it hints at a process. You know, if you, if you just think of it on a very superficial level, you think, oh, in the beginning, because it's talking about the beginning of creation and everything like that. But, but Rabbi Tatz said, and I, I forgot in whose name he said this, he said that, no, the, the whole idea in the beginning means that this whole process of this world at this point, it's all a beginning towards something greater, of course, meaning Mashiach, meaning the perfection of the world. So we're still in, in the middle. We're still in the middle of this process. It's, it's awesome. And it's all hinted at the word Breshis. But, but again, you see, you see that um, the normal straightforward spelling of the word stands for that which is being revealed. Now, the Atbash level, when you flip over the letters, stands for that which is being perceived. And Rabbi Shapiro goes more deeply in this, and he explains it better than, than I'm explaining it now. But, but it's, it's, it's the Atbash level is that which is being perceived by, by, by us. After that which is being... that which has been revealed... Now we have to um, perceive. So, so he gives an example. He says that um, when someone is talking, you have that 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 the speaker's words cannot be fully understood stood until he gets to the end. For instance, I'll give you an example. If if I give you directions to my house. And at the ver- I say, you know, take the 10, and from the 10, get off at uh, Rodeo, and then, you know, go and take a right over here, and then, and then when you get to this number, that's the number of my house. Okay? So, and it, so you, you, you don't know, even though I'm giving you directions to my house, you don't know exactly how to get to my house till I get to the end of the directions. Now you can begin to perceive, you can go back over what I said, and you can begin to perceive what it is that was just revealed. Okay? So, so returning back to this idea of um, Breshis, it's very interesting that Breshis, which means in the beginning, which again is a, a, a microcosm for the whole history of the world, that, that the letter Tough which is the last letter of the Aleph base, is the end of the word Breshis, meaning to say, what Hashem is hinting at on one level, I'd like to suggest, is that until you get to the end, until you get to the end, you won't understand that which has been revealed. You won't be able to perceive properly that which has been revealed by God until you get to the end. So that's, that's that's an awesome, awesome idea. You know, and, and, and that's very much part and parcel with, um, with Megillus Esther, because we have an amazing halacha, and Rav Shlomo says a beautiful, beautiful Torah on this, which is that, um, which is that the halacha is, is that you have to hear every single word of the Megillah. Because unless you've got the entire story, you can't really understand what's going on. And, and Rabbi Shlomo said that, you know something, instead of just sort of narrowly focusing on this aspect of your life or that aspect of your life, think of your entire life. Think of your entire life and everything that's happened. And then you'll get a much better appreciation for everything that Hashem has done for us throughout our lives, you know? So, so we have so many questions about the way God has guided not only our personal lives, but human histories. But when we get to the letter tough, when we get to the end, when the fullness of, of, of what Hashem has in mind has been revealed, then we'll be able to go back and we'll be able to perceive everything that what Hashem had in mind. And of course, we'll, we'll see it for the good. And since Purim stands for this, it's an amazing, amazing thing that the Rambam brings down in Halacha that Purim will be celebrated after Mashiach comes. Because Purim really represents 
the fullness of the revelation of Hashem and how you have to know the entire story. Um, okay. So now, hopefully we've gotten a little bit of the philosophical basis of, of Atbash, that the normal spelling stands for revelation, and then that's the speaker speaking, and when the speaker gets to the end, then, then we can begin the, the process of perception, of looking over what has been said, and from our point of view, understanding. Okay. So now, with that in mind, let's revisit the word Purim. Now, now Rish is sort of like a bookmark in the middle of the word, because as we said, if, if a word has an odd number of letters, it can't be... Um, it can't be the same in Atbash. But we see the first two letters of Purim are the same in, in Atbash. Pe is Vav, and Vav, the second letter of Purim, is Pe. Amazing. Now, what is that saying? Now, listen to this. Listen to this. We have this notice, we have this question in the, in the, uh, in the Gomorrah. The Gomorrah asks a fantastic question which is, where is Esther's name mentioned in the Chumash, in the five books? Now, it's a remarkable question, and, and it implies something that we all know about Torah, but let's just speak it out. First of all, we know Esther's name is not mentioned in the Chumash, specifically as Esther. Why? Because the events of Purim happened after the events of the Chumash. Then why are they even asking the question? Because we know that Esther's name most certainly is mentioned in the Chumash. Why? How is that possible? Because the Chumash is a blueprint of everything that's ever going to take place. Ever, 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 ever. So it has to be mentioned, even if it's just being hinted at. So, so, so the Chachamim say, okay, therefore, where is it? Okay, so we know it's there, so where is it? And by the way, they ask the same question about... Uh, Mordechai and Haman as well, and they, they also get the sources. This is in Gemara Chulun, very worth looking at, very amazing teachings there. Um, by the way, just, just to let you know, Haman goes back to the Eitz Hadas, which is amazing, the tree of knowledge, which is like, you know, the source of evil entering into the world and all the rest. So that's a really amazing. Haman Eitz. And Mordechai is, is, comes uh, from more drawer from, 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 from the spices of the Ketaris. There's that word spices again, right? So, so it was one of the ingredients of the spices. So that's, uh, that's also amazing, which is put on the head, the Rosh. Uh, which is, by the way, the, the other side of the letter H, but that's, uh, that, that's something else. Um, actually, let me, let me bring it out, um, because Rabbi Blech said something beautiful about why, how, how it could be that the letter Rosh, uh, or rather the letter Rosh, which, um, which is, you know, m- more or less tends to be an, a negative letter, could also stand for Rosh which means head, which is something positive. And by the way, I saw um, that in the Osios uh, de Rabbi Akiva, the, the uh, book of letters that Rabbi Akiva put together, which is also teachings on the letters in a very profound way, lists the letter Rosh as standing for Rosh. So that seems to be a more positive connotation for Rosh. But, um, but Rabbi Blech wants to learn... Um, that even since Rosh is, is a negative letter, he wants to say that even Rosh then would be negative. So why would that be? Maybe, maybe you want to say it's positive, which I think you could also learn out. But what, he made a very beautiful insight. He said that if you take the head and separate it from the heart, it becomes very negative. And we know all sorts of evil ideologies, like the Nazis, Yamakshima, uh, their names should be erased. And... Um, that, that, that there was a very abstract intellectual philosophy. The Jewish people are a cancer on the body of humanity, and if we remove them, then the body becomes healthy. And, uh, you know, all the utmost trait, the utmost tuma, a statement like that. Um, but you see that when one gets very abstract and one likens uh, millions of people to, uh, to a concept and this concept is negative and if we remove this concept then we're all for the better. Ay, 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 you know? So this is the example of the Rosh being negative if it's, as Rabbi Blech says, removed from the heart. If it's not integrated thinking, if it's just um, intellectualism, then it can be... Uh, quite disastrous um, 
Okay, but anyway. So we see, uh, the Gomorrah asks, where do you see the name Esther? And it says, it, it comes from this um, Pasuk, this verse in Deuteronomy, in Devar, where it talks about Aster Aster, which is a, um, which means hidden, I will be hidden. God says that if the Jews aren't um, acting properly, then I'm going to do a double level of hiddenness. Um, and of course, it ties in so much with the whole essence of the Purim story. It's amazing. Because even Esther, who represents this hiddenness, was hidden because she didn't reveal her identity. So there's this double hiddenness there. It's, it's, it's so deep. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's really amazing. Um, anyway, so, so we see that, um, that, the, that on the level of revelation, the way God was revealing himself during Purim, was revealed, but it was it was was it was hidden right there. But it wasn't just a simple hiddenness. God hid himself and of course the way it was perceived by us was the utmost level of hiddenness. Right? Now listen to this. Pay and Vav, if you want to learn it out that the first two letters of Purim, Pay and Vav uh, I'm doing this without the Atbash right now, just the simple reading of the word, Pei and Vav, um, is Gematria 86. 86 is the Gematria of one of Hashem's names, Elohim, um, which stands for, which is also the Gematria, famously, of the word Hateva, which means nature. In other words, Unlike the name Yudke Vavke, which stands for the open revelation of godliness, the name Elohim stands for the hidden nature of Hashem. So, isn't it interesting then that Pe Vav is 86, which correlates with Elohim, which correlates with the hiddenness of God? And now, what's the Atbash of Pe Vav? It's Vav Pe, which is also 86 which is also hiddenness. It's that double level of hiddenness. Haster, aster, punim. That God will hide, doubly hide his face. And that's the way it was revealed, and that's the way certainly it was perceived. Now, like we said, the letter Resh will be a subject in itself. We, we went into it. The whole idea how Resh stands for that, which has to be transformed to the Dalit, right? Um, and so Resh is very integral to this notion of of, uh, of Purim. And um, of course, at the end of the Purim story, the, the Resh is transferred into a Dalit, right? And, and what does a Dalit look like? Well, I would suggest it looks like a gallows, which Haman was hung from. Um, so now let's go to the Yud and the Mem. <clears throat> so now let's continue with the um, the Atbash um, of Purim and look at um, the last two letters um, of Purim, Yud and Mem. And of course, as we mentioned, Yud in Atbash is Mem, and Mem is Yud. So, so together, Yud and Mem add up to fifty. And now, on the revealed level, that which was uh, revealed to us. Um, 50 is a very big number in, in the Megillus Esther because it was it was from a um, a gallows 50 uh, cubits high the Megillah tells us that Haman was hung from um, so so the, so the, the the successful conclusion of Purim manifests itself with the with the with the hanging of Haman and if you want to um, fit that in with uh, sort of the, the, the pictogram, if you will, that I was mentioning uh, earlier, um, the, the Reish gets transformed into a Dalid, which is like the gallows, and then the, and it's 50 feet high, that's the Yud and the Mem, which add up to 50. Um, so, 
So that's on the level of revelation. Uh, there's another way to understand the, the Yud and the Mem also, which is the Yud uh, standing for uh, the ten sons of Haman who are hung, and the Mem uh, is 40, which uh, stands always, uh, among other things, for, for Harsinai and the acceptance of the Torah, because we know at the end, the, the final part of the, of, 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 of the Purim story, the end of Purim, just like the, the Mem is the last letter of Purim, um, is, uh, stands for the, the reacceptance of the Torah that we did at the, at, with Kimlu Vekiblu um, uh, at the end of, of Purim. So that stands for the, the reacceptance of the Torah. So that's, that's intense also. Um, all these things are telling the story of Purim. All right, now, now on, on the Atbash level, which is the level of, as we said, of, of perception of has, how we came, came to understood, understand what, what, what happened. Um, that level of 50, the Yud and the Mem together, that level of 50 is, is very intense um, because... It stands, I would like to suggest, for the Shar Hamishim. The Shar Hamishim is the is if you um, it means the fiftieth gate. Uh, Kabbalistically, um, if you imagine a map of the cosmos, the top of heaven is the fiftieth gate. So what became revealed to us um, was the Shar Hamishim. Now. Now, I'd like to go a little bit further in, in trying to explain this, um, because it's a very fundamental concept to Purim, um, and ties in with the notion of Adlo Yada, which is the um, halachic uh, injunction to us that we're supposed to drink to the point of us not knowing. Adlo Yada, until we do not know. Um, and uh, until we do not know what, that uh, blessed is Mordechai and cursed is Haman. So, so, so let's continue to build this thought. Now, what we, what we did was we started by analyzing the, the particulars of the letters of the word Purim as they appear, as they're revealed and how, as they're perceived. Um, but... What I haven't done yet, which I'd like to do now, is to actually do the entire word of Purim in Atbash. And um, and and if we if we do that, and we and we take the gematria of the Atbash of Purim, uh, I noticed that it equals the word Hagethen, um, the wine. Imakolel, uh, because you need to add one, Hagethin and Aleph, which works out very nicely because everyone knows Aleph stands for Hashem. So, so, so we said that the regular spelling of the word is how the how it's revealed by Hashem. So, what does Purim actually mean? What does it mean that Purim was revealed by Hashem? So, Purim. Uh, means a lottery because we know that Haman Harasha uh, cast through various uh, means of witchcraft lots to determine what what time the Jews would be most vulnerable to attack and when he came up with the month of Adar he was very very happy because um, he knew that Adar is the month where Moshe Rabbeinu was, was, was Niftar, who died. So it, it would seem from his point of view that that, that was our Achilles' heel. Well, what he didn't understand was that Moshe was also born in Adar. Um, but, but the point is, is that Purim stands for the, the lots, the, the lottery that he cast. So on, on one level... Purim, as it was revealed to us, as it was being revealed to us, seemed like lottery, seemed like um, randomness, if you will. Um, 
very difficult, very difficult. Like, how is, how is this making sense exactly? And this is why Purim is so much the, the holiday of our generation today and why it will last forever. You know, I want to share this with Reb Shlomo. I think perhaps one of the reasons why it will last forever in the times of Mashiach is when Mashiach is, comes and the um, perfection of the world is, is revealed and we, we see the... Um, we see Tikkun Olam, the the, the the fixing of the world in this mana Tikkun, the time of, 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 of fixing. It will be inconceivable to us, I would like to suggest, that the hand of God could ever not be known. In other words, we know now that angels don't really have free choice because Hashem is so openly revealed to them. When Hashem openly reveals Himself to us, the idea that he could ever n- not be known, or that it could ever not be understood that God was guiding every aspect of existence, will seem almost impossible for us to, to comprehend. And so we'll need the story of Purim to remind us that there was ever a time where Hashem's hand wasn't clearly perceived at every single moment. Because otherwise that concept will be impossible for us to understand and will be forgotten. So, so anyway, Purim and the last Mem of Purim, I think, also stands for Mashiach. We know that the Mem Sofit, the closed Mem, stands for Mashiach because there's a word, the only word in all of Tanakh where there's a final Mem that actually appears in the middle of a word. A one-time only occurrence. And it's referring to in that, in that context of Mashiach. In the, uh, in, the, in, in the writings of uh, the, the prophet Yeshayim, uh, the prophet Isaiah. So, 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 Mem, so to speak, is the end of Purim, because when Mashiach comes, the Purim story will be told forever. It will never go away. So now, let's get back to this notion that on the level of revelation, Purim seemed to be randomness. Um, or another way of saying that, it was the hidden face of Hashem. Because um, the fact that Hashem was involved in saving us was, was very unclear to us. It was very unclear. Okay, so now listen to this. Atbash is the level of perception. In other words, we said once the speaker finishes speaking, then perception can begin. After Purim was already... Um, after it took place, after we realized everything, then it was, oh my goodness, okay. Well, now it's Hagethan. Now, wine, wine is the agency through which one is supposed to reach this level of adloyada, of of reaching this 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 transcendent place of not knowing. And any time you see the word yada, which is a derivative of um, uh, of the word knowing, we also we always have to think back to the etzadas. Because uh, yada and das is the same word. So the etzah das, which Haman uh, is mentioned in, connect- in conjunction with, right, which is wild, stands for exile. We have to get above, beyond the tree of knowledge, which means getting back to this place of perfection before Adam Harishon made the chet with the Eitz Hadas. And we know Kabbalistically the Eitz Hadas was a grape. And we know that the, the miracle of Purim at the banquet occurred through wine. And that ideally, just like um, if one has the opportunity to um, light uh, oil on Hanukkah instead of a candle, oil is preferred because the miracle is done through oil. So too on Purim, it's preferred when drinking, to drink wine, because the miracle was done through wine. And so, Hagethen represents the Shar Hamishim, the 50th gate, this level of understanding, which is the opposite of randomness, or it is the response once, once what is revealed is that Hashem was never hiding His face, but that he was there the entire time, 
we realize, oh my goodness, if God is there the entire time, even when it seems that he's hidden, one has to have the utmost level of expanded consciousness to grasp how present Hashem is there, even when it seems like he's hidden. And so this is why I would like to suggest the Atbash of Purim is Hagefen. And why the last two letters, 50, on the revealed level represent the hanging of Haman, but on the Atbash level represent the Shar Hamishim, which you reach through the drinking, Hagefen. And as I mentioned, it's Ima Kolel, meaning you have to add one to make it fit to Hagefen, or you can say Hagefen Aleph, that through the Gefen, one is able to grasp, so to speak, humanly speaking, the Aleph, the oneness of Hashem. And this interplay between, between the the uh, closed, the, the, the hiddenness of Hashem amidst the openness of Hashem you see very clearly in terms of the dates of Purim itself. Um, it's not widely known that um, Purim, that, that Haman uh, issued his decree, Erev Pesach, and that the banquets took place over Pesach. Meaning to say, those fast days, they didn't eat matzah that year, which is a, a wonder in and of itself. Um, but they beseeched Hashem through, through fasting on Pesach itself. And Hashem, of course, answered our prayers. But there's this um, other uh, duality to the day, which is that here you see the miracle happened, Purim happened on Pesach itself. And the reason why that's so significant is because Purim represents the hiddenness of God whereas Pesach represents the open revelation of godliness. So therefore the holiday of hiddenness takes place exactly on the holiday which celebrates the open revelation of Hashem. So these two things coexist simultaneously and to try to explain this a little bit further I once imagined a conversation between two fish, and one fish says to the other fish, do you believe in the existence of water? And the other fish says, I don't know if I believe that water exists, but my grandfather was very religious. He believed in water. So the joke is that water surrounds them. All there is is water, and yet they can't see it because that's all there is. And so it is with us and Hashem. Hashem surrounds us. All there is is Hashem. And yet, because He's all around us, like a fish in water, we can't see it. And so, here you see now how simultaneously these two things, which sound like opposites, the holiday of hiddenness happening on the holiday of the open revelation of Hashem, actually makes perfect sense. Because God is, so to speak, hiding in plain sight. And what we realize in Purim is that that hiddenness is not hiddenness at all, that God is all around us, even when He seems hidden. So, Shem should bless us, that we should just know that He's always there. I'd like to offer one, um, one last adbash um, for the word Purim, and that's the word Gufim. If you uh, take the letters of uh, Purim and, and uh, make them correspond uh, with the Atbash system and rearrange the letters, it spells Gufim. Actually, uh, yeah, you have to do some rearranging. Okay. So, so Gufim means bodies. So, using again the, the claw, the foundation from Rabbi Moshe Shapiro, that the normal spelling uh, is, is revelation and the the Atbash spelling is um, perception, how we understand uh, that after it has been revealed. Um, I would like to um, explain uh, the correlation between Purim and, and Gufim bodies uh, in the following way. So, so Purim suggests, as we said, it means literally um, the lottery, but it suggests randomness because it seems to... Um, indicate that uh, 
that Hashem is, is not guiding things. But, but after the, the final aspect of Purim, after the Mem, so to speak, of, of, of Purim is revealed, um, we, see, we, we see something uh, much different. We see that, in fact, Hashem was involved in, in every aspect. Now, now I'd like to explain Gufim based on that. Um, I heard this Torah in the name of the Ishvitzer Rebbe. Uh, I think it's an awesome, awesome, awesome teaching. Um, he asks a question, which is, what is the highest uh, point in a person's body? So um, I think it, it, almost everyone would say uh, a person's head, uh, which is actually incorrect. Um, when you put your arms over your head, you realize that, wow, in fact, your hands are the highest place in your body. Um, now, he uses that to illustrate an, an exceptionally deep point, which is, um, and I believe this uh, Torah is, is uh, given over in connection with uh, Yom Kippur. Um, you see, when, when, the, when the goral, when the, when, the, when the lottery takes place, um, and by the way, I, I wanted to suggest, although I haven't had a chance to think this through exactly, uh, someone asked me the question, why is it called Purim, which is plural, because it, it, in the Megillah it's actually referred to as a pur, which is the, which is a singular lottery. Um, so I think one, one possible answer to this on the, the most basic, basic level is that Haman spun the, uh, or rolled the, uh, the, the dice, the lottery, uh, several times before he came up with Adar. So that, that might be, again, on the most simple level, uh, why it's in the plural. Um, but perhaps another uh, connection is everybody knows that, uh, that the Ari um, compares Purim to uh, Yom Kippur. Yom, Yom Kippur's the technical name is Yom Kippurim. And, and uh, K in Hebrew is a prefix which means like, which means technically Yom Kippurim means a day that is like Purim, which means that it's a day that's only like Purim. So imagine how great Purim is if, if Yom Kippur is a day that's only like Purim. So you see uh, in there the a sense of the exaltedness of Purim. Uh, in Yom Kippur you have a lottery as well. Um, the coin uh, Gadol, uh, there were two um, goats that were uh, identical, and the coin would reach into a little box, and and one uh, based on which uh, 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 lot was picked by his hand. Again, his hand is above his head. We're going to get to, the, to that in a moment. Um, he one would be assigned to go on the mizbeach, the altar, and it would be the most really exalted place for uh, for 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 that go to end up. I mean, the the as a Yom Kippur sacrifice, whereas the other would be thrown off a, a rocky cliff in the desert, a very different fate. So, so here you see something very interesting, which is that this decision was being made from a place that is above the rational mind, above a person's normal intelligence, because it's done with a person's hand, which is above their head, meaning above rational thought. But we have to explain this further. You see. I tend to think that the, the, the greatest um, agency that God can work through me with is my mind. In other words, he, God can send me thoughts or send all of us thoughts, and that's how God will communicate with us. And then, of course, we have free will. Um, but if you think about it, there's a place that's even above our thoughts, beyond free will. Um, I'll give a, an example that I heard from Rip Shlomo when he explained this, which is, which is imagine you're walking down the street and then it just kind of gets into your head to walk down this block, which is a block that you, you never really ever take and you, you turn the corner and then you see your old friend. An amazing thing. How did that happen? Why did that happen? I wasn't even thinking that. But you see, you see, Hashem used your body, not your mind, but your body, just because you turned that way, right? As, a, as, as the agency 
through which he wanted his will to be enacted in this world. So you see in a very amazing way that, that the body in some ways is above the mind in that it's a tool even above the mind where God makes his will manifest in this world. So, so with that in mind, let's revisit the Atbash of Purim and Gufim. After the Purim story was over, it became revealed to us that even when we were doing seemingly normal things, while it appeared to us that Hashem was completely hidden and maybe not involved with our lives, perhaps because Hashem he had abandoned us, at the same time we were taking actions and other people were taking actions that were being directly led by God through their bodies without their consciously knowing what it is that they were doing. You know, I gave an example um, earlier in this talk um, where I was looking for that uh, uh, a teaching on the letter Resh for Purim, you know, or just Resh in general. I couldn't imagine that I'd, I'd ever hear anything specifically on Purim and Resh. And so, uh, Erev Shabbos, I was kind of just just fast-forwarding and just, I picked a track. And, and sure enough, that track was the track. So, in other words, there was Hashem working through my body without my even knowing it. So, so what we realize, on the level of perception, after the level of revelation of Purim, after the revelation that Hashem really is guiding everything, even when it seems that he's not. That's what was revealed on Purim. On the perception level, we have a new, very exalted understanding of what Gufim are, what our bodies are, and how they become tools through which God guides history and guides our life beyond even what our conscious mind is aware of.